Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 135 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Alan Stroud, and joining me in the origin... Or, or, uh, how long has it been? Uh, how long has it been? Gee. You see, you see I, I, I think what I did is I took a run-up, and you know when you take a run-up and you kind of... You, you know what? You, you, you Yeah, or, or you lose the chain on the bike, or... Anyway, joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode are... <sighs> Mr. Late Night Talk Show himself, it's Colin Ford. Good evening, everybody. You, you've got to do it more, more sort of whispering Bob. You know? <laughs> oh, the thing is, every, <laughs> every, if you try it, doesn't yeah, it doesn't work. It, it, does, does it? it doesn't work because <laughs> I've got to be careful that I don't wake anybody up. Ah, I see. Okay, well, that's so, probably what the practice is. Yeah, uh, we also think? have. We also have with us, we have uh, the ever-present and stalwart of the team, Ben Mosswoodward. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, Alan. Ben? Oh, Push there you the are. Button. Okay. Yes. Hi, Alan. Uh, we, we, were you muted? No, I was just talking very quietly. Oh. Quietly. Okay, okay. No, no worries. We can't hear him. That's the problem. Now, <laughs> that's not a problem. <laughs> now... Grant is kind of with us, but he's kind of out because he's just gone to do stuff. Uh, but he might join us later uh, in terms of what's going on. And also joining us tonight, we have two guests. They will, well, the reason for their guest ship in Hood will become apparent as we move into the rest of the show and the main topic. We have Oliver Hume and Hello. we have John Lunn. Hello. Uh-huh. Long-time listeners, first times on the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Quite all right. Quite all right. Okay. Um, so what we'll do then is we'll do this. We'll do this uh, a clever way round. Okay. So what I'm going to ask, and you know, for those of you that, that obviously listen uh, an awful lot, it's just really this is for the benefit of Oliver and for for John in that regard. What I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask what you've been up to this week. Now, I'm going to start with Ben. I'm then going to go to Colin. I'm then going to go to John and Oliver. Um, now, we'll move on to talk about more of what you specifically have been up to this week um, when we get into the main discussion. But I think it's totally fine to tell us what you've been up to this week, if you know what I mean. Yep. Yes. Good. Nudge, good. nudge. Wink, good. wink. Good. Okay. Say no more. Ben, what have you been doing? As you might be able to hear in the background, I'm actually currently making a cup of coffee. But apart from that, I was very lucky and I received a rather shiny new toy for the post. Of the, do you remember a while back, uh, Thrustmaster and Elite did a sort of combined and made a joystick? Oh yeah, go on, yeah. So the T16000 um, FCS hot ass. Okay. Right. I, I was very, very lucky, and that got sent through uh, all the way from France. Wow. And it's I, I, I have to admit, so far I like it. I've been, it's, I've been playing on the old Thrustmaster Hot Ass X, yeah. which has been a rock-solid joystick for me for, for well, ever since before Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, you know, I was always missing a few hats and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I was lucky enough to get this, and it's a hell of an experience learning how to use it. 
Um, I've got a lot more buttons and hats and dials and analog things than I'm used to. Um, and yeah, I, w I was talking about that because I know Commander Broader Beast has got one of these joysticks and he was having the same problems as I did. And he pointed me at a very handy website called mcd.net slash elite, which basically lets me go off and it'll read my bindings file and then turn that into a, a page that I can print out and just see what the hell buttons actually do what. Um, but I, so that's, that's also been very, very handy because I've got that many things. I'm just getting lost. It's got, and I've got about 30 odd buttons or something like that to try to get my head around. So you've you've not um, got to the stage of uh, getting lots of post-it notes. I guess this is the equivalent of post-it notes, but I didn't want to <laughs> make any yeah, on my joystick. Get get ambushed by a pirate, and and suddenly there's a there's a cloud of post-it notes go across the room as 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 Ben so fights have, for his life. I have gone and put on a Hutton orbital sticker onto. Uh, the front of my throttle, because these things I had a th had one handy, and these things had to be done. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, that sounds that sounds uh, awesome. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. uh, that was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds sounds fantastic. Uh, Colin, what have you been up to? Well, this week, um, for those uh, more observant of you on the on the uh, the Lave Radio website, and there's a new top shift that I that was posted up last week. It's uh, an ongoing part of a series. I'm looking at cheap VR solutions for uh, for Elite Dangerous. And this week, I tested this new piece of software called Riftcat. It's been around for a little while, and it basically uh, will allow streaming from your phone, uh, rather from the... the uh, from the game onto your phone so you can use one of your VR headsets and it does this via its own Rift or Ridge software and it also utilizes Steam VR. Now, um, the too long didn't read version of it is that <laughs> I, was, I was quite pleasantly surprised by it. Um, it definitely, it, it takes minutes to set up and uh, it it certainly can match uh, I, uh, the old DK one in, okay. in yep. its immersionness, but and you know if you want to show off to your to your mates what it can do, then you know for for uh, a cheap price, then it's absolutely perfect. I don't think you can play the game with it though. Fair. Now, if I remember rightly, when I demoed using the DK one, um, the best time to to play it was actually when you were tired because your eyes got a bit blurry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, of course, or 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 at least if you sort of, because um, usually you're used to, if you want to see something a little better, you're used to sort of screwing your eyes up and squinting, and you know, and and actually, I found that it was better to open my eyes wide, because yeah. then everything got a bit blurry, and then it all seemed a bit more precise, which is really weird. Um, so yeah, altogether, yeah. So you know, it's, it's not too bad. But uh, this week, I'll be working on the latest version of Trinus. And the week after that, there'll be a version with Trinus and using ED Tracker. So um, uh, keep your eyes peeled for that uh, <laughs> and reviewing it as it goes. Uh, eyes, eyes peeled, not literally, obviously. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Me. I don't know. I played it for two hours last night and I definitely felt as if my eyes had peeled. Yeah, okay, that's fair. 
Okay, uh, right. So then over to Oliver and to John. Uh, what have you guys been up to this week? Um, so I've been in Panto all week, which actually might not be the answer you're expecting. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I have. I've, I appeared in Omelette Prince of Danish in the local village hall. More pertinent to Lave Radio. Um, we also announced um, the launch of the Elite Dangerous role-playing game this week. Uh, which got announced in the newsletter on Friday, um, which um, we've had some quite nice comments about. So uh, that's been announced. We're uh, uh, announcing a Kickstarter for it. I mean, we'll go into the details about yeah, it later. Exactly. Yeah. But, but yeah, we did that this week. Okay. Um, okay. I say we did that. I mean, John did that mostly because I was in Panto and he actually launched the game for me, didn't you? I, I'm, I'm noticing, Oliver, did you say what you were in this pantomime? Oh uh, yes, I was the um, uh, I was the sidekick to uh, the evil Baron von Stench. I played a character called Snivel. Okay. Uh, so I I basically just sort of sucked up to the the baddie and, and crouched around like sort of a, a kind of Eagle meets Baldric kind of character. So it was quite quite empowering, quite a dignified role, as you not, can not, imagine. Yeah, not yeah. not. I, I was I was thinking of the the sort of metaphor of you being the back end of the horse, and then oh and yes, all well, gonna get, we, we, all going to get a little bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that more or less <laughs> that, that's fine I'm, I'm happy that it wasn't you know anyway um yeah so john what have you been up to um well in game i've been playing with the engineers uh, to try and make my uh, cobra mark four into something remotely close to a spaceship that flies um which has been awesome and also yeah um involved in the uh, release of the elite dangerous role-playing game on friday and then i took it off to dragon meat which is an rpg convention in hammersmith in london on the saturday and was spending the day with uh, lots of rpg fans many of whom who it was lovely to hear had been the original commanders from the the original elite game and didn't know about the new version of the game but was rather excited by both the game and the rpg which was all very nice fantastic okay so um the cat is probably out of the bag she's actually sat on the bed but um the you know the people can perhaps get an idea of what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight uh the elite dangerous rpg the new uh, new licensed product um so yes we're gonna have a bit of a chat about that we also late breaking news have as much information about the uh, the live stream this evening, which obviously was just before we went on air. Um, Colin has done his absolute best. Uh, ben has, has supported him. And I kind of hung around for five or ten minutes um, listening to to what uh, Sandy and, uh, and Ed and Mark had to say. Um, and we're going to try and give you a few comments, opinions and thoughts on that as we, as we go through. Uh, in terms of me, what have I done? Uh, well... Oh. Well, the downstairs PC overheated, so that was that was fun. Um, the the loft PC is still in pieces, so that's you know that's kind of that's kind of fun. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm writing some stuff, which is you know pretty good. And to be honest, it, it's kind of this time of year is a bit difficult in universities because you spend all your time desperately trying to get to Christmas. So um, so yeah, full on in terms of uh, of work, which is incredibly boring. So I'm afraid. There ain't a lot of news in this uh, this department at the moment until we get to talking about things later. So, uh, yeah, we'll dive in and we'll get to those when we do. 
So, okay, down to things to do with what we're up to. So, um, Lave Radio is currently, you know, some of the guys are in game. I know that John is hanging around outside the Orange Sidewinder at the moment, as is Ben. Um, and I'm Just expecting to Lave Station because it's midnight at the Orange Sidewinder. And I okay. got scared. Dark. Oh, you got scared? I did. Okay, so you went back to Lave Station. I went back to Lave Station where it's bright and shiny. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you, you could play dodge amongst the pylons, couldn't you? Which is always fun. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, do a trench run. That would be quite good. Uh, <laughs> so if anybody is, is joining us in-game, then um, if you can't find them at the Orange Sidewinder, then do just drop over to the station and you'll probably find Ben skulking around somewhere uh, in the, uh, uh, the pylons of the, of the Coriolis. Uh, which should be fun. I'm off to join him as well because nobody can see my beautiful um, Lavecon skin in, in the midnight of the Orange Sidewinder. Oh, I see. I see. That's why, because it's all gone dark and, and okay. <coughs> okay. Right. So, first of all, we're going to delve into the development news. Um, now, as I said, we have a, a live stream this evening which announced a new beta for tomorrow. Uh, this beta is 2.203. Uh, we've got some changes to weapons, blueprints, up, a small update to power play, uh, and a variety of other things talked about. It was, to be honest, it was quite uh, an open conversation. Sandy was was particularly open about the things that he was interested in, uh, which I think was uh, was nice. Because that kind of gives you, you know, sort of the way they talked about it, it gives you a bit of a sense of um, the time priority. Personal interest is one thing. Um, and, you know, getting a few things done is something else. You know, I, I, I think it kind of steps a bit beyond um, thinking that essentially that Sandy just fixes the things that he wants to fix. No, no. You know, they read everything, they, they go through and they, they work on the things that, that you know, uh, are given the most feedback. Um, now, there was a comment made about the fact that they are going to be reading all of the beta forums uh, for the for the forthcoming period, uh, just to make sure that, you know, that feedback that people are giving in relation to the new update uh, is there. They also talked about the fact that I think that there's... Um, they're they're basically in the in the beta version. Uh, they're trying to make the um, the availability of everything as wide as possible, so that everyone gets a chance to test things as much as they can. So, where things require fish, they're going to make fish available, and where things require ranks and uh, and such like, they're going to try and uh, keep that you know keep that as open as they can do. So that everybody gets a chance to, you know, to, to do the big things and to do the little things. Um, Colin, what else did you notice going into uh, the stream? What what other things did you pick up? Well, uh, apart from being called a cheater, um, <laughs> yes, they asked for oh, just a couple of questions. I put in ten, um, <laughs> which, which they answered most of them. To be honest, uh, one of the highlights that they they did mention was the fact that they have picked up on the combat logging and, you know, the mm -hmm. crime and punishment thing that 
controversy which has been going on over the last couple of weeks. Um, the, you know, they were talking about a, a karma system that needs enhancement or combat logging. If you start to combat log too much, it's that's behavior that can be detected and, and flagged as suspicious behavior, which will then hook into this karma system. So, um, other techniques such as federal bounties not being able to dock it, um, space stations, unless it's an anarchy, which, you know, sounds all very promising. Um, and a lot of the suggestions have been made by the community. The only caveat with that is that it needs development time. And they're looking at the schedule to see whether or not they can get in. It's not a quick change, mm. surprisingly enough. But you know, it goes to prove they are listening. There's no some, They know that something needs to be done about this issue. But, um, yeah, it has to... It's. It, they are aware of the, these uh, little problems. It's also, I mean, it's most, yeah, it's most interesting in that um, I noted that um, one of the replies talked about, um, or one of the questions talked about escalation of, of security response, mm-hmm. uh, and Sandy made it perfectly plain that that was already there. Um, so it's interesting how the playing perception, you know, perhaps sometimes is a little different uh, in terms of, you know, of, of what they what we think is going on behind the scenes or how the system is actually crunching the numbers. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it, uh, it's interesting in itself. Um, I, I caught a slightly different tone to the karma uh, mention. It could be that it's just me, but they were talking about player behavior habits. Mm-hmm. And I, I noted that they weren't specifically talking um, just about uh, combat logging. No. They were also talking about um, ambushing new players and and other things like that, which I thought going to be very difficult, you know, conceptually to sort of frame a karma system that tracks um, uh, tracks a lot of different behaviour types. If you see what I mean? Yeah, I know. I mean, this is one of the things that we're considering about these pilot federation bounties, where mm. um, if you have, for instance, a um, someone tanked up in a in a anaconda or a warconda, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it these days, and you like blowing away newbies in their, their sidewinders, um, basically you get bounties put on you that do not disappear and the police fed, the, the police uh, issued by the police fed, uh, sorry, the police federation, the pilot federation, and the police come after you in, in droves and the yeah. only place where you're safe is in the anarchy systems. Which is kind of what was originally exposed um, and sort of talked about at the uh, at LaveCon 2013. Um, yeah, because that I remember Michael Brooks t- sitting up front with his concept art pictures and discussing how big the galaxy was going to be, and also saying that you know essentially you'd get driven out of systems by being more of a a, a sort of anarchic player. Mm-hmm. you would get driven to the fringes. Uh, and it suggests that whilst that was a, an idea then, understanding the balance of anarchic play, what is anarchic play, what is um, just being a bit naughty, what is anarchic play, um, is quite you know, quite difficult or has been quite, you know, it's taken time for them to be able to track those kind of behaviours. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting to to also point out that 
obviously that was a, a, a design consideration for three, four years ago. Um, and it's nice that it's, you know, that it's, it's kind of there. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Oliver? I mean, in terms of um, tracking bad behavior, it strikes mm. me you can probably uh, do it through a karma system. If you um, say with a new player, you uh, uh, assign them uh, a token if they're uh, of, uh, they've got total assets worth a certain amount. So a starting player's got something like 50k of total assets max, because that's the value of a sidewinder and a small amount of things. If someone's got 500 million or something of, of assets, there's an imbalance there, you know, that, that's going to be there. I mean, they might be attacking you in a uh, high-spec eagle, but chances are they're a player that's been in the game for an awfully long time. They probably have an engineered eagle. They're probably going out there to sort of um, uh, basically sort of, you know, kick some tail and it's not going to be the even fight against someone who has very very small number of assets so i'd imagine that you know you can i think with a bit of imagination come up with a mathematical system that can judge that so i, I don't think it's impossible with karma and a similar thing that you could also attach a karma sort of penalty uh for uh combat locking because the first time it happens that might just be a disconnect it's if you do it again and again and again and again you know each time it's kind of uh, racking up these points and eventually if you're just continually harassing players and taking advantage of the system you know it's going to explode and you're going to be kind of kicked into your own separate universe i i think you know that can be done I'm not sure I'd do it on the total value of the player, because I know sometimes, you know, I've got about half a billion in credits, but a lot of times I'm actually just pottering around in a ship worth under a million. You know, not engineered, just a, just a fairly basic ship. I think I'd be tempted, rather than your total assets, to be the value of your ship that you're currently in. It might be a clue, though, because I think if, for instance, you're in a, you're, you've got about 100 million, even if you're flying around, say, um, in uh, a very small ship, uh, and you're uh, deciding to sort of prey on some new players, if you've got assets of 100 million, you know enough about the game to know that a guy who is a hollow square, who isn't a sidewinder, is new, and he's going to be vulnerable to whatever you do. So I think, again, it's not a perfect solution, but it, you know, with enough evidence, you know, if you're doing it again and again and again, that gives you, you know, some pretty strong clues as to whether a player is kind of, you know, acting sort of maliciously towards others. Yeah, it's just an idea. Credit balance is, a, is an indication that they at least know something about the game. Unless your name is yeah. Chris Jones, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I'm not going to agree with that last bit, but, uh, you know, otherwise he'll be on here angry from... Angry from somewhere in Leicestershire. Um, the um, I, I think the the key thing here is that obviously we're not talking about a an an instant immediate big brother. What we're actually talking about is a track of behaviour, and um, actually it may well be that you know a few examples of these kind of things um, are completely innocuous. You know, um, I'm sure that you know I. I I really like flying my eagle. Um, so going out and, and sort of combating in a war zone in an eagle um, uh, is, um, uh, you know, is, is actually is, is great, you know, is a, um, is a great thing. It means I've got lots of, um, uh, yeah, I've got lots of credits. I've got lots of other ships. I've got other, other things, but I'm flying around in a, in a, in a 20, 
£20,000 eagle. Um, and so if I kill another player, then is that a problem? I, I'm not sure it is. You know, if that other player's come into a combat zone, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not sure it is. So, um, so yeah, you know. Uh, but anyway, no, I, I, I think certainly having a track of something is useful and uh, and would be would be good. Um, and and they've obviously they've they've spoken about different categories of it. It'll be interesting to see how much because once you implement a behavioural tracking system, how much they can effectively you know sort of record that behavior rather than in a way that's that's um that's quantifiable um would be interesting how much you know how much uh, manual involvement that requires uh okay anyway that was that was karma that was something that was was picked up ben did you note anything else um in the live stream in particular was anything that that grabbed you I, have to admit, I was only on for a couple of minutes. I heard them saying something about gimbals, which... Ah, yes, yeah. I, I've mentioned in the past, CQC has always felt to me like gimbals have a much wider gimbling area than yeah. the main game. Yeah. And I know, you know, if everyone pissing and moaning about nerfing gimbaled weapons, how okay. about we also buff fixed weapons? Yeah, I, I mean... Something about it, but I didn't hear what they said. Sure. No, I mean, uh, I caught some of it as well. Colin, did you did you catch all of that? Yeah, I caught most of it. Um, the upshot of all this is that they're trying to kind of get a, an optimum balance, where um, if you have two pilots in in two ships, one with fixed weapons and using a joystick, and one in with gimbal weapons and using a gamepad, that the two pilots would be very much evenly matched. And at the moment, that balance seems to be in favour of the um, <clears throat> uh, of, of the gimbals. Uh, and they, and they, basically what they're going to do is they're going to rebalance it to make the fixed weapons um, up to the same level and as effective as the, um, as the gimbaled. Uh, and, and that's going to need a lot of uh, balancing, which, as you can imagine, is why one of the major reasons why this um, 2.203 beta, not 2.3 beta, 2.203 is coming into play. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the things actually I, I've felt that didn't or isn't the case, isn't as much the case as we were led to believe in the alpha was the... The differing power level between fixed and gimbaled weapons. Um, uh, you know, the the idea was that the fixed weapons were going to be that much more more powerful than uh, than gimbaled weapons. And actually, you know, um, from 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 my play, I I've generally found that that's not necessarily the case. And also, that an awful lot of the fixed weapons aren't available at different categories, which uh, I think is a bit. So, I'd certainly like to see more fixed weapons. Um, I think. Fixed weapons, you know, for me, fixed weapons are always the uh, the preference. Ben? Colin, you said they're going to try and normalise the ratios between fixed and gimbals. But did yeah. they say they do that purely by nerfing gimbals, buffing fixed, or a bit of both? Uh, a bit of both, actually. Um, yeah. It looks like the gimbals are going to be linked in at, at last to the sensors. Uh, so the higher your rated center sensors, the the more chance that they'll hit. Um, 
Yeah, which kind of, I mean, the, at the moment, the sensors have just got a, a basically a range finder where you, you know, A-rated uh, sensors will allow uh, you to identify ships six and a half kilometers out instead of two kilometers out. And, you know, it's nice, but it doesn't give you a, a major tactical advantage for the price that you, they sometimes pay. Um, I mean, the one thing about gimbals that was an, um, a massive advantage is for targeting subsystems. Because mm. um, I think that's where they're a bit too overpowered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, John, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that if it is sensors, then that can be a reason why you would want to get the engineers to have a little look at your sensors. Because assuming that you can do the same one to five grade upgrade on your sensors, then you should be able to make those gimbals behave more like you'd like them to be, like more like they are now by just working on them with the engineers. Okay. All right. So hopefully then we'll we'll see what that sort of comes through to. Uh, you know, a personal plea from me, more fixed weapons, please. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming uh, <laughs> everyone else loves gimbaled and it's just me. I love gimbaled. They're brilliant. <laughs> just me that wants everything to stay exactly where I put it. Uh, so yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, now, uh, they went through... It off. Sorry, sorry, Ben, what were you saying? You'd have your gimbaled weapon, but turn it off. That that's an interesting idea. Um, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's you know, that's yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> Sorry, all right. <laughs> uh, yes, you know. but isn't that just turning off the gimbaled weapon means that it no longer tracks, but it's still worse than a fixed? Yeah. Well, that would be. That's the idea. It is at the moment. Yeah. If you if you hit a um, um, if you hit someone with with. <laughs> He's got his voice attack on. He, ben will be oh. shouting. Uh, ben will be shouting out in his background that he'll, uh, am he'll I, be doing am I a massive panel. What? Am I cutting out or something at the moment? With voice? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. are. You are a bit, Ben. Um, so, so I'll, let Colin I'll, talk. I put a bit better. Yeah, just let Colin talk. That'd be good. Okay, what were you saying, <laughs> Colin? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the point has gone. Um, uh, I think it was along the lines of that even at the moment if you have um, your gimbals not tracking and you're managing to hit somebody um, you can tell the damage is not going down as yeah. you're not inflicting as much as as you're fixed but I, I do think that the fixed need a buff yeah no I agree which is what, what they're planning what, what were you going to say Ben he was he was yelling about his chaff which oh okay that, that was what it was Sorry, I was just wondering about the chaff. When you when you've got your gimbaled weapon, yeah, and you turn you on target somebody, then yeah. that does defeat the chaff and things like that. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, certainly, that's like trying to find out what the hell's going on with my microphone and why yeah. it's cutting out and stopping and starting and things. Yeah, yeah, we're getting we're getting that and sort of mixed in with 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 background uh, background engines. And uh, and the occasional radio. Oh, but, background uh, engine as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're getting we're getting your background uh, um, ship, which. Uh, uh, but yeah. Anyway, okay. So, all right, let's move on a little bit. Um, uh, yes, it did appear that um, that this week on the live stream, Ed was obsessed with fifty p and paying fifty p for anything. Um, as he pointed out, there he was oh. joking in every instance of DLC that he mentioned. 
paying 50p was uh, was a joke. Um, micro jumping was uh, was discussed, which I'm sure there are a couple of um, uh, old elite dangerous authors who would be uh, delighted to see micro jumping make an appearance in um, in elite dangerous. Uh, but I think it looks like it's it's not going to be a thing. Uh, Ed did suggest the idea of putting 50p in the slot and micro jumping in game, but of course, uh, yeah, that's a rubbish idea, and that's why Ed's not a designer. Uh, and then they talked a little bit about the keelback uh, paint jobs, or um, I, 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 I'm assuming you know I've I've had a look at these. Um, tempted anyone? Well, actually, kind of and kind of not. Um, I've just got myself a keel back because uh-huh. I'm going. I'm going to go ice mining. Right. I've, put a, I've given myself a, a fighter to protect myself with, um, and you know, it's it's an okay ship. Um, I'll probably be doing a top shift review on it at, at some point, but uh, it, it's not. Ooh. <laughs> it, it's not something that I would want to spend extra money on, unlike my asps, which I've just got new skins and new sure. ship kit and new lots of stuff that really shouldn't have bought. But never mind. But what what was interesting here was that the um, maybe it's the show notes have prompted me. Maybe I'm I'm a bit rubbish. Um, but they've they've got categorizations here, and that reminded me of the fact that they were also talking about. Um, a future planned uh, change to some of the ships, particularly the uh, the military ships, where they may well be offered uh, more dedicated modules inside the military ships. So they were they were talking about the um, uh, the different federal ships, so the gunship and uh, and whatnot, and the idea of having um, in those specialist ships having more dedicated modules available, but trying to balance that with the multi-role ships, uh, which I thought was was interesting. And the only reason I, I kind of remembered is because on our show notes here, we have the keelback paint jobs. And the first uh, category of paint jobs are military. So, of course, it reminded me. So, sorry about that, gentlemen. Um, did you catch that bit, Colin? Um, and for, well, I caught some of it. Um, mostly, uh, like the passenger... Uh, vessels. Yeah. The passenger vessels only are allowed, the only ones that can carry the these certain yeah. VIP cabins. Um, they're, I think they're they're mooting about ideas that there can be things like, oh, I don't know, uh, spy cameras and all those kind of things that, you know, you could put in uh, from the old games or even nuclear missile launches. Um, <laughs> but uh, those kind of things could be just put into the military military vessels yeah. for specific specific mission types. Well, I, I was liking the idea of, of you know if you're having a passenger cabin in in you know a beluga or what have you, then you 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 happen to be flying a federal dropship. Why haven't you got a troop carrier section? Mm. You know, um, totally different brand of passenger missions. Then, isn't it? You know, it's it's a troop transport mission, which. Uh, yeah, they're not going to complain too much and ask for too many detours, but um, they certainly need to get to where they need to get to, and um, potentially you could you could have all sorts of stuff about um, you know um, getting into planetary orbit without uh, being detected, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a nice idea. I, I like the idea of that. Um, okay, Ben, you had a thought. I love the idea of the troop transport, and but they might not 
want to change the destination. But can't you imagine general exception saying, ah, uh, yeah, you know that attack we had to do on Lave 2? Well, you need to now go to Eredin or something. Eredin. Yeah, or, or, um, or we've opened a new batch of sealed orders. We had to get you clear of the station so you couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> Now you've got yeah, to go exactly. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to have a salt saga now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm afraid this is a one-way mission, soldier. We didn't let you know on the way in. <laughs> Sorry. John, what were you going to say? Well, um, seven years in the army tells me that there is no way that they would ever let soldiers travel on a civilian airliner <laughs> with first class and business class passengers along for the ride. It just, well, if they did, they, they would be asking for trouble. It's, I think a troop carrier would have to be something separate. Yeah, well, a federal gunship, I think we were, we were thinking, you know, the, or the federal dropship, you know, essentially having those missions for those specialist uh, pieces and also tying them maybe to the ranks, you know, so... If it's a dedicated ship, then, then possibly part of that. That said, you know, there is historical precedent and and science fiction writing precedent to using um, civilian transports for um, for military military shipping. Um, you get to disguise people, don't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the, you know, demobbing, certainly when, when wars end, you know, um, you know the, the, all available ships allowing to, you know, to take people home and so on. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's certainly something that, that you've had before um, or requisitioning. Um, Dunkirk. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of the um, uh, the Amanda Holden episode that we just had um, on Who Do You Think You Are? And um, uh, she basically she, you know, one of her her ancestors was on board a, um, a, a cruise liner, a pleasure cruise liner that was co-opted by the military and um sent off to uh, uh sent off to pick people up from dunkirk and it was sunk so um so yeah you know um always very interesting colin yeah uh, well can you just imagine what it'd be like where you've got to actually drop your troops off under fire <laughs> in a beluga yeah yeah well <laughs> no, I, in a gunship i would have thought i don't think they'd say yeah. right send the belugas in <laughs> or send grant in in his orca <laughs> a guaranteed that was a suicide, suicide mission. Yeah. <laughs> one of those, one of those, you know, drop like a stone <laughs> landings. Um, my actually, my great uncle on this topic. My great uncle was um, was one of the special forces that was sent into Pegasus Bridge, and of course they went in in gliders. So they were they were wooden gliders, and they were towed by um, uh, by you know by the sort of big bomber planes towed by Lancasters and, um, and flying fortresses. And then they, they cut the, you know, cut the chains and basically they glided, you know, into, uh, uh, into land. And of course, essentially it's a crash landing. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, just, just imagine kind of, I don't know, trying to, to sort of emulate some of those bits and pieces, some of those ideas, that would be, that'd be great. Um, well, there, there is the glide mechanic in the, in the planetary approach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still you're still under power, though, aren't you? To a point, because um, you've got a certain amount of trim and what have you. Uh, I was just thinking that you, you tell know, me that on a T nine, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that you know, if you you could affect, you could drop, um, uh, drop troops by them being um, sort of canisters that you you have to eject. Um, might be quite interesting. 
so effectively like paratroopers or like um you know like large uh, sort of drops that, that go out of the uh the fighter bay so that might be interesting yeah okay uh uh ben did you have anything in, uh, to add on that no i was done uh, unless you wanted okay. me to talk about the camera yeah no, well, no that's, that's, that's going that's, back a bit that was the anecdote i was i was thinking you might oh, okay add. okay yeah, those are just when you're talking about the cruise liners and things like that. I was on a cruise with my grandparents many years ago now. That the I was on the Canberra, which is a P&O ship, and yep. she was used to ferry the troops back and forth to the Falklands. Yeah. Now, obviously, not while other paying passengers were on her, but Could you she imagine was there that? and she was under fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> I didn't pay for this. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Uh, oh so yeah all very fun um okay so moving on down the newsletter list we then have the former uh former dine rift uh which is is obviously is the uh uh essentially galaxy geography um and the idea of uh hidden stuff uh in this discovering things we've got a bug haven't we gentlemen i believe uh ben and Colin is the only person who knows anything about this. And Colin's just had to go because his wife's just come back. Okay, that's no worry. So we'll we'll come should we back. come back to this? Let's come back to the for, uh, former behind uh, rift in a moment. For, we'll move on to the newsletter to start with then, and we'll use the newsletter to go into the main topic. So looking through the newsletter from the top, uh, we've got some new examples of um, content from. Uh, from voice packs uh, and um, from HCS uh, we've got uh, updates of content uh, which is great so you know a lot more lot more uh, stuff for uh, for Verity uh, we've got a German translation of Maya and uh, Eli is um, uh, is appearing which is uh, John Delancey who is for being Q in um, uh, uh, Star in, Trek um, Next Generation Voyager in DS9. That was the one. That was the one. Yes. So I, I don't know why I got kind of stuck. That was that was where I was. I, I don't know. Okay. Are you more uh, of an, an original series kind of person? I uh, know. I didn't know. To be honest, I, I actually I was on a panel with two of the the um, Next Gen and DS9 writers the other month. Oh. Um, yeah, I was on a on a on a science fiction panel with Peter Morwood and uh, Diane Duan. Um, over at um, Octacon in Ireland, and um, they are both very, very nice people. They both wrote on those. They wrote, uh, they knew Gene Roddenberry personally, and they also wrote on such greats as um, the Fonz and the Gang, the cartoon series. Either you know, they admitted to that. Yeah, yeah, and and all sorts of strange and wacky American cartoon shows um so yeah so they you know they're tv writers so of course you know you go where the gig is so uh always um always awesome uh then down in the newsletter i'm i'm skipping one thing because we're coming back to it uh, we've got the live stream lowdown um i just wanted to point out uh we have uh, a feature on uh the live stream lowdown um from last week uh tajart was on there now tajart kruger uh we should point out here is the Lavecon um, ship designing uh, skin ship yeah, skin? You know, yeah, the Lavecon skin designer. Uh, he's the, the the lovely gentleman who has done all the beautiful, beautiful fiery skins 
that we get uh, at LaveCon. And um, it was great to, you know, great to see him on there. Great to see him being made a fuss of. I always like to make a fuss of uh, to Jart. So, uh, so yeah, that's awesome. John, was there something you had? Uh, no, it was actually about Q. All I wanted to say was I didn't know whether I was the only person to find his character just a bit irritating. The uh, kind I, of one I hit with a spade Q. kind of irritating. It's, yeah, I, I, I loved him. Outrageous, outrageous. He was amazing. He was amazing. No, don't listen to John. He, okay. he, he doesn't know. He just does the business. Just, you know, ignore him. Okay, Tell anything to do with sci-fi and, you know, just, yeah. Ignore I'm, him. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to agree with John and say he was completely forgettable to me. Yay! Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry, but you know he he was totally those those particular episodes of of um, uh, Next Gen. I just was not interested in at all. Um, bring me bring me Borg and um, or anything to do with war between the Romulans and the Klingons, and that's fine. Uh, you bought what brought you the Borg? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and going on down so uh we've already mentioned the paint jobs for the keelbacks um we've then got uh, a listing of um the charity events so we've got a couple of auction charity things that frontier of uh, uh, are offering dine with the devs i wonder who picks the menu any thoughts you know do you, do you think michael's a pizza man I know Adam Woods is. <laughs> well, you know who, who specifically you're. You know you're getting to dine with. I mean, they they kind of have. In the past, it's been you know when it was the Kickstarter, it was David Braben, wasn't it? Was was have a meal with David Braben. Um, uh, yeah, you know I've I've no idea who uh, who you'd who you'd end up with. Um, I don't know. Uh, I rather suspect this is going to be a. A snobby affair, given the money that I suspect this is going to be pulling in. Well, you know, it could be. I'm just just thinking that you know it could. Your your dinner plans might gra- you know, might graduate depending on who you're with. So it might break down into burger and chips with Michael Brooks, or um, uh, uh, pizza with Sandro, or um, or a couple of biscuits with Ed. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I hear well, Michael Brooks. Your own. I hear Mike Brooks is more the Ivy uh, than than burger and chips. Okay, okay, all right. So, um, yeah, bring, bring, pack lunch with. Uh... <laughs> okay. You know, just 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 a thought, you know, uh, uh, or a buffet with. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure we can we can think of a few more. Um, name a rare good. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, obviously a a, a great great prize gives somebody a chance to you know to bring something into the game's mythos which is is fantastic name a station yeah you know always a always a popular one i'm sure there are plenty of people who'd love to to name some stations uh this far into the game as well you know okay maybe you might change a name or two but also there's a chance of new stations being built which i think is is always fun and name a system now the the thing is with name a system of course is that we actually now we're in the game when this was originally there in the Kickstarter, um, you kind of didn't know what your galaxy was. And now we're in the game. We've got that many star systems. You can see all the random star systems in there with their long codes. You know, it makes name the system so much more uh, sort of uh, clear in terms of what you're, you're actually, you know, actually doing. 
then you've got unique paint jobs. You've got lifetime expansion pass. So yes, yeah, some of us have uh, have got the the lifetime expansion passes from the Kickstarter. So it's a little bit of a return, I guess. Um, and then um, uh, it says uh, to be in the chat. Incredible auction prizes. Simply email the name of the item items you wish to be uh, be bid on with the amount per item to community at frontier.co.uk with the subject line blind charity auction. So that's that's interesting. I'm assuming that it's incremental. So what you were saying, Ben, about the idea of it being more depending on who you know and who and what. Um, I guess we could we could all email in with I bid one p. Um, I don't, did anyone ever do um, uh, that website Madbid? Any of you know it? I am aware of it. I have avoided it like the plague. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I thought it was interesting. Interesting pricing model. Just the idea that whoever whoever bid the un- the lowest unique bid um, got the thing, um, which was interesting. So I wonder if... I don't think Frontier are going to adopt that, are they really? Anyway. <laughs> okay. So then we have... Uh, they've got a 24-hour charity live stream, uh, which they'll be doing. Um uh, in Elite Dangerous and Bo on Planet Coaster, and this is on December nineteenth, so um, ending the same time on December twentieth. So um, yeah, uh, for people like me whose university term finishes on December sixteenth, that might be something I can I can at least tune into for a little bit. I'm not sure if I'm gonna uh, be there for twenty four hours. I'm afraid um, I'm not sure I can I can cope. Uh, then we have the Colonia expansion, so we've got more stuff relating to this new settlement which is uh all going to be very interesting um and they're offering some some goodies um pilots delivering commodities on behalf of their chosen organization faction make the largest contribution earn the right to settle in one of the systems surrounding colonia so you can you know essentially start to carve your territory out which should be good fun um then we've got uh more commodities needed for the tutumu confederacy We've got some uh, some other stuff relating to the different news, and uh, yeah, you know, it's all all good fun stuff. Um, so yeah, it is. You know, I say this every time. I like the newsletter. I do like the fact that the newsletter's seemingly improving and improving every time in terms of its look, its feel. It's a little, you know, when we get towards the end, it's a little, um, uh, little small. I would say I'd probably quite like these articles to be a little longer, but. Um, yeah, was there anything else that picked uh, picked anyone's fancy? Anything else that people wanted to pick out before we dive into our main topic? I'll take it as a no then. Okay. So then, to our main topic, which was a topic in the newsletter that I I skirted over so that we could manage it here, the elite dangerous role playing game. Which is, uh, oh, hang on, hang on, Ben, what are you talking about? That thing that Colin knows about that I didn't. Okay. Uh, oh yes, no, we'll do it later. Um, so, um, on to the, the, as I say, the main topic, uh, the Elite Dangerous Role Playing Game, which is excitingly announced in one four one five three, and excitingly, we have Oliver and we have John with us. Who can answer every question possible? Welcome, Yay. gentlemen. Hey. Now we can talk about your secret, secret project. How long has this been something you've had to keep under your hat? 
Um, so we've been working on it for just over a year. Um, in terms of it being anything that was worth reporting on, um, sort of April. That was when we got the thumbs up from Frontier that they were interested. And then, you know, there was the contract negotiation, which uh, takes a bit of time. Um, and uh, But we've been starting properly working on it um, as a complete role-playing game since April. And from September, we were working on pretty much the playtest that you see now. There's one or two little changes. But um, yeah, so uh, just over a year it's been uh, in production. Um, and uh, yeah, so this Friday we got to announce, which was very, very exciting. Um, I should say, first of all, and you know, it's tardy of me to, to ask you a question before we start this. Congratulations. Um, you know, I, I think we all know just how, how difficult um, some of the, the licensing uh, considerations for with Frontier can be at times. Um, that's, that's not a criticism. It is more a case of thinking about the fact that, you know, here is a company that has got its brand to think about. And, um, you know, it, it is a tough, tough process. Um, so yeah, uh, congratulations and uh, and well done in terms of uh, passing through that particular um, <laughs> rite of passage, as it were. <laughs> so, um, what can you tell us about uh, where you are, what you're at, um, and um, you know, and what the plans are? Um, okay, so uh, we're currently uh, at the position where we're just letting everyone know uh, that we're intending to fund the. Uh, RPG through Kickstarter. So what we've got at the moment, um, we've let everyone have uh, the playtest. That's available for downloading. So you can have a look at the game, uh, see whether you like it. It's got um, many of the core rules in there, but not all of them. So just um, a couple of things that some of the people have been saying. They've been saying, oh, it looks a bit simple. That's because we've had to cram it into uh, 50 pages. Uh, um, it's, in fact, you know, a, a 300-page or, or possibly more tome, and it's had to be crammed into a, a single size. So uh, there's, there's plenty more. There's plenty more actions and, and things that you can do in the game. Um, but that's available so you can see that, you know, the, the system is intact. Um uh, we are going to be launching the Kickstarter in the 16th of January. Um, and I'll let John talk about the Kickstarter because he is a massive, massive fan of it. One moment. Well, first of all, um, just to let everyone know that if they haven't yet downloaded the playtest, um, you can do so. Our, the web address is www.edrpg.co.uk. And if you go there and just help yourself to the um, PDF playtest and give it a go and let us know what you think. Um, with regards to it being Kickstarter, um, the difficulty with small startup companies like ours is to fund a physical print run of some hardback books and then to make all the supplements and the source books that we want to make with the campaign we would need to know for definite how many people would want to buy into a project like that before we were willing to invest the money otherwise you're throwing hundreds of thousands of pounds down the drain and neither of us have that kind of money so kickstarter was pretty much the only way and it's the most sensible way to do it to enable us to fund it um if we when we launch it on the 16th of 
January, if it doesn't reach its intended target, then unfortunately that's it. The game's been written, so we would probably then look to, I don't know, have to just release it for free, as it were. It's not been designed yet, and it doesn't have the exciting artwork in it yet, and it hasn't been set out the way we'd like it to be. So obviously, a successful Kickstarter campaign means the thing gets turned into the same quality of hardback that you would expect with any decent RPG, such as those coming from Wizards or some of the bigger suppliers. Yeah, I would say that this is probably is is the thing, isn't it? Really, is that actually in the RPG community, um, this is is a fairly um, quite a few sort of connections and have taken some advice uh, from that community in terms of what's there, particularly as what you were saying about Dragon Meat and kind of introducing elite to new people. Yes, well, we we realise that apart from the fact that Oliver and I. Are Uh, just a bunch of rank amateurs when it comes to putting this kind of stuff together we realized that if we were going to have any chance of making this a success we would need to build a team of experts so one of the first things we did was we approached a chap called chris birch who runs a company called modifius and he has launched a number of successful rpgs in the past um the infinity tabletop figures game he turned into an rpg he's also run the kickstarter for the conan rpg and he's currently um in the process of producing the next star trek rpg so he's a complete black belt when it comes to this kind of stuff so we asked him how is the best way to take it to market and clearly he said well you know the kickstarter is the best we then got ourselves um our designer uh, it's a gent called bruce kennedy who's worked on um computer games such as just cause and done a lot of work for disney so and our editor um she is a woman's own editor i believe apart from one of other things she's a brilliant editor and she's quite harsh so we had to surround ourselves with people who knew what they were doing so that when we produced the playtest, people could see that this wasn't just us playing at it it wasn't us just using a, a word documents and printers and and that sort of thing it was actually something that we could really ask for ask money for and then the rest of it was just a matter of um, going amongst the RPG community and saying, okay, if we were to make an Elite Dangerous RPG, are you guys interested? And I think that's one of the reasons why Frontier quite liked the approach, because Frontier saw us as not just uh, giving uh, Elite Dangerous an RPG, which it deserves and needs, but also by bringing the RPG community who haven't yet tried the Elite Dangerous MMO, get them in and get them on. Um, online because as far as i'm concerned being an elite dangerous massive fan i want many people to buy it so that they keep releasing more and more updates Um, yeah yeah i guess it's it's kind of you know we're we're crossing mediums aren't we in in that regard and yeah if we can yes yeah and you're you're thinking as well um about uh the the way in which the way in which the game or the way in which the game can can explore particular content but then maybe uh other other products can explore other content uh in that regard um so yeah so you know what what can the rpg explore that um that the game can't well basically uh the big thing with the rpg is that you can leave the cockpit um with rpgs you can 
you can basically do anything. If you've ever imagined, like in Elite Dangerous, what you'd really like is to arrive at a space station. It's under attack uh, by a massive Imperial fleet, and there's lasers firing everywhere, and there's a whole kind of uh, group of kind of a, you know kind of a large Imperial vessels filled with troops trying to get through the doorway. Um, but your contact is on the other side of the space station docking entrance, and if you're going to get paid, you need to get in. You can do that in the RPG. Because you only have to imagine it and it's there. Well, the RPG, is, it gives you the tools to create any kind of adventure that you want. I mean, the important thing in terms of designing it was to try and come up with a game that felt like Elite Dangerous. We were very, very specific in that. Um, I think Elite Dangerous is, is an excellent game. I've, I've loved you know, almost all of the incarnations of Elite. Um, I've loved the original um, and, you know, I enjoyed uh, the, the middle chapters as well. But I think Elite Dangerous is great in its own strengths. Um, but we all want to do more in it. We're always pestering the designers to give us more things to do. We want to leave the ship. We want to walk about on Earth-like planets. We want to do missions that are more than just going A to B and dropping things off. All sorts of these things. And this is the game that you can do it in. You know, it's unlimited in terms of your ambition. Uh, what you think you want to do, you know, it's what you can do. And uh, I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of role-playing games and the just the ability to give you that kind of freedom and to play any kind of story that you want. And there's so many wonderful tales that you can tell in Elite Dangerous because it's so full of exciting kind of factions, corporations that are, uh, are, are biting one another, strange mysteries from the edge of space, people who live in the most appalling poverty, bounty hunters that go around in their luxurious fertilant ships. There's so much stuff. I think in terms of... Um, uh, one, we took a lot of inspiration from the things that were being created sort of um, really just post the Kickstarter period, which is when me and John first realized that sort of Elite Dangerous was around. Um, I remember listening to things like Escape Velocity um, uh, by Chris Jarvis, um, uh, reading uh, a number of the books, and there's there's a huge desire out there for people to see what it's like on kind of you know uh, plants that they've heard of or plants that they've imagined, and to you know be cool in the Elite Dangerous, not just in their ship, but you know to be able to sort of you know ram down uh, the the doors of, of of pirate bases in their tanks, or to pull out two auto pistols at the same time, jump through a doorway and and shoot people while they're flying through the air in a kind of on woo kind of way it, it's it's uh the it, it's a game that is is crying out for an rpg and we've been so desperate for it that we decided we had to write it ourselves oh you 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 press a button on oliver and he just goes doesn't he, he really does <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> that, that's totally fine it was it was it was it was very succinct and uh, and it, it's quite clear that it's something you're you're very passionate about what you've um what you i suppose as well there's also the um the fact that you've already got a sort of referential imagination as it were because you know mm. with with certain with certain things if we think about you know star wars or or some of the other you know sort of large franchise science fiction um there is already a a, a sort of textbook of what everything looks like yeah, and I guess the the advantage with a um, a very big um, or, or a very um, very visual MMO 
and I, I recognize I'm talking about Elite Dangerous as being an MMO, and you know, I, I, I caveat that with all the technicalities of instancing and all the rest of that. But the point here being is that you know, you've got essentially you've got a big, um, a big sort of wo- game world mm. that has a lot of visual reference that allows you to then um, give an opportunity for people to explore different types of a behavior that they couldn't do. Yeah, in, I mean, it's in the game, yeah. so it becomes complementary, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Uh, it, it is complementary. It's. It's a. It is a wonderful playground to explore. I think one of the things about computer games that's actually quite tempting to do RPGs, and I'm surprised really there aren't more, is the fact that um, if you're in a uh, a franchise such as Star Wars or Star Trek, um, there's a limited number of things that they show on screen. So you know, if you're playing a Star Wars game set in the Rebellion era, um, you've uh, got. Uh, things like the X-wing, you have the A-wing, uh, the B-wing. That's more or less it. I mean, in Elite Dangerous, you know, there's there's 31 spacecraft and no indication that they're the only ones out there. There's, mm. you know, they're, 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 there's probably hundreds of different designs, you know, that uh, exist. So it, it's 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 a very broad canvas to work on. And you're right, the fact that you've got you can visualize the idea that there's you know kind of space stations, the Cobra Mark III gives you a um uh, something to hold on to something to grasp so uh yeah it's um it, it was very pleasant writing it one of the things i discovered um while uh, writing the rpg was how little i had to rely on things like uh, say the thargoids to mm. write the rpg the more i sort of explored um its depths and possibilities the more i realized that actually the first thing you have to tell the elite core book and this isn't to say that we're not going to include the Tharkoids, but uh, the first thing you have to do to explore in a core book is um, the, the the human world itself and its its mm. enormous diversity. So I think, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a nice place to set an RPG. Um, it's also not so you don't have to be entirely Im- Im- imbued in the law to understand it. So you know, it is very much about people owning their own spaceships and making their way in the world. Um, and there's a lot of aspects about uh, Elite, sort of visually, the way you know you see the avatars in the game have their own jackets and things like that, that kind of look halfway between jackets we would wear and maybe slightly Star Wars-y. The, 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 the point is, it's, you know, it's, it's quite reachable. It's quite approachable as a game. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to know there's what the political differences are between the Empire and Federation at the start. Those are the sort of the things that you pick up later, when you sure. when you kind of start savoring the game, as it were, so it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful place to explore, and I hope that people will be really keen um, to to explore it as well. So sure. yeah, there we I, I'm I'm going to hold John back for a second. Um, <laughs> the uh, the um, just just to touch in on that, Oliver, I, I guess as well. There's also the um, the the sort of the pitch of the insignificance because um, David Braben's talked about the fact that. Um, he likes the idea of people getting their own story into the game. And also we've, we've talked about on the show, the fact that, you know, um, fundamentally you're a commander of a spaceship, but generally you're, you're not the hero of the, of the, of the entire galaxy, as it were, you know, your yeah. story is, is your story in that sandbox. And I guess that, that sort of appeals to the RPG element because, you know, if you take an example, um, uh, anything produced by white wolf, um, you know, if we were talking about the you know, the classic World of Darkness stuff, it was generally pitched along the idea of 
you were one amongst other vampires. You know, you weren't you weren't significant unless you made yourself significant. So, you know, your story became something that that happened within the premise of the world that's there. I mean, generally speaking, you didn't end up unless you're you know unless you went on and on and became prince of this city and did this and did that. You you didn't end up sort of pulling massive game levers in that regard. I think you know the the sort of a uh, a similarity of of uh, RPG. Uh, yes, yes, I'd say so. I think um, there are sort of existing powers and factions in the game yeah. um, that are effectively untouchable. Which is not to say you can't annoy them to an enormous degree. So yeah. uh, you know they can have their plots and plans. You might not be able to realistically say destroy um, uh, Denton Petrius. But you yeah. could certainly upset his plan to seize control of a planet because it hasn't paid its taxes and absorb it into the empire. That kind of scale of thing. Actually, no, you might have a chance if you yeah. can organize yourself properly. Um, that would be a pretty high-end scale game. That's you organizing a, a major resistance. But it's entirely possible. But overall, yeah, I think what a lot of people kind of uh, like about Elite is that it's it's quite Han Solo-ish. You know, without wanting to do too many Star Wars references, but it's 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 you and your ship. I mean, I think a crucial design part of this game. Uh, I've put it in the playtest, but it's as true in the main game as it is in the playtest. So that everyone owns their own ship, and uh, that's been quite important. What you often have. Uh, in many sci-fi RPGs, is that there's one group ship that all the players sit on, and one person will be the pilot, someone will be the engineer, mm. there'll be someone in the turret, as it were. And, um, you know, it's fine, it works, but when it comes to the space battle, you're all sort of doing the same thing over and over again. The pilot is just dodging, the turret gunner is just shooting, the engineer is waiting for damage that he can fix. The nice thing with the Elite Dangerous RPG is that, just like in the real game, you've got your own ship, every player has their own ship and mm. uh, you know it's all down to you your actions are very dynamic you know you you're directly responsible for blowing up the enemy ship it's not that you're uh you know it, you can be individual in it. it you're not forced to be part of a team to do it sure. in, in in a group ship thing so that's that's quite a nice aspect of the game as well although quite a challenging one to write in kind of a speedy way but you know um by all means play the playtest, see if I've got it right. Uh, but I've tried to design it to be as, as swift um, as possible to carry out that the, 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 the kind of feeling that you get in Elite Dangerous in terms of the closeness, the fierceness of up-close dogfights and the and the relatively sort of a placid nature of when you're hanging back and just kind of sniping people. Okay, we're, right. we're, getting, we're getting a few questions in, so I'm going to come to those sure. in just a minute. Um, John had a point he wanted to add. Well, what I was going to say is probably going to answer some of the questions that have been raised, and that is the format that we're hoping this RPG and its launch will take. The initial Kickstarter target will be to fund a core book of 300-plus pages, and in that core book will be the main mechanics of the game, a bit of law, basically the the nuts and bolts of how you live your life type of law, and some of the ships that everybody recognizes in the Elite Dangerous MMO. Then we've got four source books. Each of those are going to be small snippets to allow you to um, play adventures in specific types of play. One's going to be called the military missions, so you can either f fly your military ships, and as you were 
talking earlier about the the drop ship and the dropping special forces behind enemy lines well you can not only do that but you can also then be the special forces that you're dropping off there's also um exploration which is going to be not just jumping from system to system and honking but it's finding interesting things and exploring them then there's super traders um which i'm sure grant will like and there's also the um espionage side of things which is more to do with um the 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 spying part of the uh, the galaxy all of those things are going to be in the main bit so if we get the the total the 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 term target funded then that's what's going to be appearing the stretch goals are quite exciting because some of the stretch goals are going to be more crunch so there's going to be a um, a starship guide or spaceship guide which is going to allow more ships to be introduced each of the source books i just mentioned each one of those the military missions the espionage super traders they're going to have their own ships introduced as well and yes that is going to include some ships people recognize but are not currently in the elite dangerous computer game so yes to the crate yes to the merlin and others as well and then once we get on to stretch goals we're going to be having um lovely source books deep digging really deeply into the factions so we're going to have one that's going to be imperial one that's going to be federation one that's going to be alliance and old worlds we're also going to look to produce a nice meaty source book on all the corporations as well as other crunch books like the equipment guide and maybe depending on how well the stretch goals go we'll have quite a lot stacked up but we won't we won't release knowledge and and news of them being made available until we know that the stretch goals are climbing up to the levels we're looking for but we're also going to look for things like maybe some mission hooks maybe a a book of um, standalone adventures as well as some other quite exciting concept stuff like figures um, and a board uh, maybe some maps for the figures to to move around on so there's an awful lot extra coming in um, and with regards to and maybe i'm jumping in stop me if you want alan but yeah, there's stop, a question stop 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 right there, <laughs> stop right there. okay get to that in a minute so oh, okay. the so yeah no that's fine that's that's good so i i think what i wanted to first of all to um uh to get you on there is is that Essentially, this is a uh, a long strategic plan. What you're you're looking at this in terms of, you've you've planned out uh, a gradual expanding um, role playing game. That's that's what you're kind of saying. Uh, get me if I'm wrong here. You know, that's that's kind of the strategy, right? It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So right now, let's just turn to a couple of these questions first before we um uh, before we we go into the specifics of the bit that i stopped you on um how much of the content within the document uh, documentation of frontier dev helped to produce any hints for coming game content so yeah i i guess there kind of will be to a point won't there because um, you're working quite closely with them at the moment uh, yes yeah, so they've uh, sent us the uh, all the authors docs so um that's all the stuff which i mean it's a you know Stuff that you know, a lot of which you've written, Alan. But also, it's all the stuff that all the um, uh, other sort of book authors uh, mm-hmm. have. So we've been um, sent those. Uh, they've um, s- sort of uh, sent us a lot of their artwork. Um, uh, which we're using some. We're going to commission most of our own art. We're going to have mostly new art in the game uh, because it'll it'll be more interesting. Because those who've 
been following the development of the game, they won't want to see the same old images all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it'll mostly be new stuff. Um, most of the information we've got from the game, however, is pretty much from the same kind of sources that everyone else uh, has. So it's you know uh, our own experience of the game. It's uh, reading the books um, associated uh, with Elite Dangerous. Um, sure. uh, 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 what we've we tried to do, and I said it before. Um, we try to focus on things that are related to Elite Dangerous specifically, uh, rather than sort of um, obviously because me and John are both huge fans of the original game, but we don't want to yeah. fall into nostalgia, as it were, and, and and write a game that was about the original Elite because there's lots going on in this current one. Uh, you know, it's, it's got a, a very large scope. Yeah, uh, no, so, I, yeah, I so, think just to just to cut you there, Oliver, because no, otherwise, you otherwise you'll you'll go, go on. Forever. Yeah, 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 you will. And uh, so, <laughs> just to just to, to to dive into those points a little bit, um, the yeah, the obviously the the ongoing development of of the game is is something that um, when we're writers, it becomes quite difficult because I mean there is there is stuff in some of the material that I've seen many years ago that is still not in the game that I know is still planned to come into the game. And I, yeah. I'm guessing as well that gradually that, um, you know, that becomes a rolling uh, sort of plan, particularly in, in, in terms of when it's working with licensees. Um, additionally, um, we should stress, and you mentioned it there, that you two are, 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 are diehard elite fans <laughs> right from the start. Now, the, the, the important thing here to, to think about is that, you know, Okay, so we've gone through three or four years of, of, of development time and, you know, there have been some of us that have been to this LaveCon, been to that LaveCon, seen, seen the game when it was a, a piece of paper, um, uh, alerted people to the Kickstarter uh, right at the very start, um, uh, done this, done that, you know. But the point is, is actually, you much as some of us have done lots of stuff and perhaps been, been sort of... Um, seen by people doing lots of stuff there's a whole bunch of well there's thousands and thousands of of diehard elite fans who you know who haven't necessarily done that um you know and have have perhaps have you know have come discovered the game a little bit later um now and you'll rediscover it and come back a little bit later now or just just carrying on and played and then you know the the time is now and of course this is this is your moment you know you've been pedaling away for more than a year yeah. and um and now suddenly emerges two more diehard fans who <laughs> you know who and and having chatted to john the other night um you you seriously play john don't you i mean you you know your 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 rig is is sort of seriously set up so that you can you can go off and, and do stuff um Yes, uh, and I have to admit, uh, I'm just loading up the stats now on screen. I have played for eight weeks, three days, eight hours and thirty nine minutes. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm yeah, a big fan. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think it's worth sort of qualifying that first. Okay, all right. Now um, we've said that there's going to be exploring some of the content that you know that hasn't yet been got to perhaps we've talked about the you've you've mentioned the crate um uh collins after a merlin i'm sure commander thane would love to see a merlin um and uh what else then are we looking at down the line what uh, what other things and revelations yes you can talk about it now what other things have you got uh in your in your pockets is that you are planning well, um, 
because we really want, I mean, Frontier have given us a law-free license. And when I first heard that phrase um, by one of the Frontier um, people who we're talking to, my heart sank because I thought what they were talking about was something with, which we, we could we could release an, an RPG, but we can't touch their law. Um, but, but I soon realized that what they were actually doing was admitting that they can't, if we're going to produce and look to produce this number of books, they can't possibly expect to be able to um, edit and verify every word. It would be impossible to achieve that. So they were going to allow us to, with a, um, a, a small sort of disclaimer in the front of each of the books, stretch the universe that's currently there to include things that aren't currently on screen, but nonetheless need to be in a game to allow a... Um, uh, an RPG to, to to really work, and so we thought, well, to to because of course we're both elite fans, we don't want to go off and and just make stuff up that sounds utterly ridiculous. So we thought we'd approach some of the authors of both the original Elite Law and people who have written books for um, Elite Dangerous in the past, and so we're very excited by the fact that Mike Brooks, the executive producer of Elite Dangerous, has agreed to come on board as uh, a writer for us. This is going to be him writing under his name, uh, separately from his his uh, time at ED. But what it will be, uh, what we'll be able to guarantee is that the book he's writing, which is the Imperial source book, will be as near as damn it to what Elite Dangerous and Frontier want the Imperials to be, because it's going to be written by somebody who is a bit of an expert. So that uh, we're, we're delighted to announce. And also, we are equally delighted to be able to announce that Alan Stroud has agreed to write pretty much everything. Um, in fact, not quite pretty much everything. He has agreed to be our sort of senior writer and um watcher of the law even though oliver will be retaining the the authorship of the main book and all the crunch um alan has kindly agreed to write the uh, source books for the alliance and the old worlds which we're really excited about because we're both proper um old fans also the federation also the corporate guide and we are in discussions with him at the moment for some mission hooks as well as uh, stories to fill in between a lot of the crunch books so that you're not opening say for example the uh, spaceship guide or the equipment guide and just having pages and pages and pages of tables and figures it, they're all going to have nice um stories in them as well and and so yeah we're utterly delighted and what that means is the law is going to be as close to elite dangerous law as i think we can pretty much get it there we go we're out the bag yeah ah, and on the way down right so so yeah so, so um, essentially i i you know um i've said that i'll 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 do as much as we can um obviously that's all dependent on you know the the process going forwards and and what we uh, or what you manage to get funded and uh, and what everything else sort of uh, comes down to. But it will mean that some of the content that, and, you know, I've said this a few times and, and people people sort of know this, that um, I wrote an awful lot of the, the guide material. I've said many times I'd love the guide material to um, to get a format that, um, that players can access. Um, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, very very keen on players being able to access that format i don't think that what i did write is quite um 
quite designed for players. Um, I think it needs another edit, and certainly in um, in lieu of the game's been out a couple of years now, you know, it, it could do with a bit of an update and a bit of a, a refresh, and you know, and a bit of a change. And I'm sure, you know, there've been things that Frontier have used that uh, that are going to need a little bit of a change. But yeah, you know, I I've always said. Um, you want me involved in, in, in writing any of that stuff, um, I'm, I'm down. So, um, so yeah, I'm delighted. And, uh, and I think you guys uh, have obviously have got a great idea here and uh, I'm looking forward to working with it. Um, I've already you know, been through all of us uh, playtest and um, yeah, it, um, I, think we can, I think we can work with it. The only thing I would say, gentlemen, the only thing that's come up this evening that might be a concern is looking on your website the picture of the three characters. The guy in the middle needs to get a shirt. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> but he's, yeah, but um, he's, he's, he's completely out on his head on blue stabilizer. So, you know, when you, get, when you get that far, you yeah, don't care. It's onion head. We, 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 we know all about onion head. That's, that's <laughs> on this show. We know all about onion head. Um, so, yeah. So, um, no, I, I'm delighted. And, and I think we've got a, you know, it's it's an exciting and uh, and package in terms of uh, you know the the sort of the the idea going forwards. Um, we've got a couple of um, of other questions that have come in. Um, Commander Lucius has asked, uh, how will the RPG work alongside ED's potential first person expansion plans in two thousand and twenty? Um, well, basically, um, uh, Elite Dangerous, um, you have to understand, uh, the computer game can do whatever it likes. So um, it's really down to us to match them. So we've tried to take our inspiration in personal combat as close from the existing works as possible. So uh, we only included uh, assault rifles, for instance, when we saw assault rifles in the fiction. Um, it's only because of Drew Wagar, their swords, for instance, and um, all these other sorts of things. Now, of course, um, uh, Frontier can change um, anything they like. If they like, they could say that you know, uh, personal combat is done in a uh, dream world where people sort of uh, use the the power of their innate karma to launch uh, lances of pure force at each other. It, that would come as a surprise. But, um, you know, it's possible. They could do it in a completely different way uh, to what we've done. Uh, if that's the case, uh, if it's something simple, they can just be added it and say there's uh, 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 weapons which are very popular uh, and we can just slot them in. That's what we'll do. If it rel relies on something much more radical, then you're probably looking at um, probably something just to fill in for a bit and then you'll be looking at a second edition. If it's something that's that big. However... Um, we're not expecting first person anytime soon. I mean, they'll 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 know when it is. Um, we don't know. Uh, until then, what we've got is as close a match as we can find to what we've found. There isn't much, so uh, there's many assumptions. Uh, if the Elite Dangerous Universe goes one way, then we will follow it. That's uh, yeah. the plan. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the the best summary, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a complementary relationship. Um, so yeah, so you know, obviously, you you look for the nooks and crannies that they can't uh, necessarily um, translate, and um, look for those as being possibilities in the RPG. And similarly, you know, there'll be other times when you can't um, you can't have your specific space combat um, in the in the computer game. So you know, you team up with your mates and you you do it with your uh, your models and your paper and your pen. 
Um, so yeah, so you know, obviously that's uh, sort of a, a given, I think. And um, yeah, but I guess that's a design philosophy there, guys, in terms of the fact that essentially what you're seeing this as is an ongoing partnership towards their development. I would like to think that, and um, certainly when we met up with David back in April, when we were first presenting the idea to him, he did hint at um, accepting that there might be uh, a, um, a requirement or a, a request for us to release books later on. Uh, mm. Obviously, that will depend very much on the success of the the, the game. But um, yeah, it would be it would be quite it would be very possible that if some dramatic new thing comes out that we could then release a title to to add in and complement that fantastic sorry i was i was just saying goodbye to oliver um he has to to, to head off to the airport so um we will let him get away he is uh, he has talked himself out and uh, and all will be good um i think <laughs> i mean you know in terms of in terms of most of the the stuff i think we've we've kind of got a a, a sort of a sense of things there um uh, I know you were you were launching down at Dragon Meet, at least launching some of the you know the the proposal of the game, um, and uh, I'm assuming that uh, we're now going to start seeing some snippets and some tasters of things to come uh, appearing on the website, appearing on Twitter, and appearing on the forums. Yes, there have been some lovely questions from people on all of those platforms about uh, more detail. And one of the things we will be releasing slowly over the next six weeks before the Kickstarter takes off are more details about the, the main game and some of the technical bits and pieces that aren't in the playtest, as well as drip feeding some, um, maybe, maybe some uh, sneak peeks at some artwork and also um, other bits and pieces as they come up. Um, we've even got, uh, we'll even have a, a weekly look at some of the equipment and some of the other ships that we're looking to introduce into the game as well. And yes, you've got me writing. Um, Yay! Which, we absolutely which, have. Yeah, I've started work on um, on some some short, uh, well, some you know they're essentially some episodic short stories, which um, hopefully we're going to see used as as things go forward. Um, I think you know, and I'll just I'll, I'll just make this about me for a minute. Um, one of the one of the attractions of this, and certainly the opportunity that you've given me here, is. Um, playing around with some of the um, some of the the sort of names, the history names and the law names that I I did write into the existing history that um, that came from the older games, um, and giving them a bit of an update, giving them a bit of a refresh. So um, uh, the Rast family is something I'm looking at at the moment, um, which I don't think is. Is too much of a revelation to people, but I know that there will be one or two listeners. If Penthooks is listening out there, he will probably say, "Oh, great! There'll be something about the Rast family because he'll he'll know who I'm talking about." Um, incidentally, did anyone know that Dentara Rast, um, even though you know it obviously it's a, a Frontier First Encounters reference, well, I know it's Frontier First Encounters reference, is also a person who ripped off um, the Eve Online community back in 2007. If, if people don't know that story, um, do Google Dentara Rast. Um, and uh, there appear to be lots of um, computer game magazine articles who believe that 
Dentara Rast was the person's real name. It's not. <laughs> it was, you know, a pseudonym, and they've obviously disappeared into into the ether with with what they've done. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that you know, little bit of interesting trivia. But um, yeah, getting the opportunity to to look at some of those obscure tiny bits of um, you know, of name dropping um, uh, is is great, and and I think. Uh, RPG is probably the right format to do that because it allows you to have a slightly wider scope um, rather than rather than going at one particular thing. I'd also like to think that the books are of interest to elite fans in general yeah. um, because there is going to be lore in pretty much every title that we release but some of the stretch goals are actually going to be more law centric and so it's going to be lovely for, for for people who are just fans of the universe to grab hold of those because they're hopefully in in each of those books will give people a, a huge insight into the the galaxy that they're flying around in and it is you know i mean we we already uh, i've touched on on a couple of shows um the um the the ongoing Galnet stuff has made significant use at times of the Antares incident, um, which is a, a reference to uh, to stuff that happened in the previous games. It's one of the things that I'm really pleased that came out of the um, the guidebooks and and then you know became something that that was in the background of the the existing game. You know there are more things there that that obviously that we can we can start to explore and it gives us a chance to you know, to do a little bit there, a little bit there, a little bit there, rather than focus on one novel and, you know, just about this, no, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you know, and really bring a lot of that uh, to life, which is, is going to be great fun. And hopefully we can drop as much of it in as we possibly can between now and when the Kickstarter begins so that people can see the the level of, of detail that they can expect in the books. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ben, you got a question. I was just wondering. You said this is a was a law free license oh, or something yeah, like that. Yes, yeah. yes, it so, is. I wish Jarvis were actually here today because is he is Jarvis a non canon license or something like that? And I'm just wondering uh, if, if we know. What no, the I, is. I I think I think there is. I think it's 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 essentially the same. I think the right. um uh, the two licenses are essentially the same. Um the the issue here really is that what's you know, I, I'm speculating about meetings I've not been in and privy to discussions <laughs> yeah, that have nothing to do with me. But I, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think, and John will perhaps be able to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, essentially, what we're talking about is most of this comes down to the individual negotiation of what the relationship is between um, the licensee and the licensor. Um, so yeah, so I'm assuming, you know, I'm assuming that's, uh, you know, that's where the difference is, you know, the, the commerciality is obviously slightly different depending on what, um, uh, you've, you've said and, uh, and done and, and how you've chatted to different people. Yeah. Cause yes. I'm just wondering how much, obviously we know that escape velocity is not canon and it's also set in the past. And I'm just wondering with this being a law free license, how much of the canon is canon? Well, yeah, um, <laughs> because we have a commercial license, and yes. within that license, we are, uh, you know, responsible to uh, maintain the good name of Frontier Developments and Elite Dangerous. Um, we obviously want to make it as full of the current law as we can. Um, 
but where there are where there is nothing at the moment where there hasn't even been work done by frontier developments on something then as oliver touched on earlier we can we can put something in and if it needs to be retconned out later or it is just you know if we we make up the names of a number of corporations that are never adopted and never see the light of day in a frontier game or as or in, a, in an elite dangerous patch so what does it matter but if if we make up something that they do or some way that they they do something and we're allowed to we're allowed to do that without needing permission from frontier but then they're not obliged either to put it into their game so yeah. what we've got to be careful is to not become obsolete or out of date and that's our responsibility and our financial burden to make sure that if we do get something wrong and then frontier release something i'm not saying that they're keeping everything secret because they're not they're helping us every uh, you know every step of the way but if we get something wrong or we launch something that that we make a big thing of and it's actually when when ed get it out on the screen it's not quite like that then it's our responsibility to go back and go right guys that's now now changed and here's the thing which i guess is 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 maybe the same with with chris he can he can release a, an episode and then six months, nine months later, he'll turn around and go, oh, that's how it was done. But the episode's released. It's a great episode. It's a great series. It is what it is. And, you know, that we have to accept. But I, I, I hope by, by him getting his license that he can be fed from within stuff so that we're, we're less in the dark about these things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as part of that, your... Um, you know, there, there are precedents here because actually jests the, the, the sort of official and the, um, you know, only, only sort of, um, what has been or, or law license as it were, you know, the very checked license, the very set stuff. Um, um, what that would do is it would prevent, um, the kind of evolving process um, and I think that's the that's the issue here, isn't it? You know, it's it's about the evolving process because actually, what Frontier wants is they want to gradually evolve their game universe. And of course, yeah. if you if you were required to set everything out first and then get someone in, it's a very slow process. Um, mm. And you know, and there are many precedents for this. Um, uh, many of the Star Wars role playing games that were produced were yeah. produced with the information that they had to hand. And always Lucas had that little caveat at the front of stuff. And then Disney yeah. made their decision about legends and blah, 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 blah. You know, we, we, we kind of, um, uh, you know, what we know of, of that decision, what we agree with, what we disagree with, with that decision is, is moot. Really. <laughs> the point is actually is that, you know, it's more in terms of what's there. I mean, the original D6 version of the Star Wars game, the um, made by West End Games, they got what the authors got to write books and they just went mad. I think, I think, and I might be wrong here, over 60 different editions of things, source books, uh, equipment guides, galaxy guides, and this was were produced over the, the, the next 10 years. And a lot of that stuff was their own imaginations, which whether it got adopted and you see it in any of the films is almost it, it's lovely to see it but it doesn't detract from the fact that it's in the rpg but it just isn't something that's ever been on a star wars film or in a star wars program and probably never will be but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still star wars canon it's just attached to the rpg and not the game and i, th I think we can have that with elite dangerous as well 
Great, fantastic. Yeah, no, that 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 very much sort of uh, gives us a, a a nice moment to to conclude that. But I think um, one thing that people should be aware is that. Um, uh, that John will be on the forums. Um, he's already been replying to stuff on uh, on the newsletter one five three thread. Um, so obviously there's there's a couple of replies that uh, that are there, and also in the law and roleplay section. I, I have a feeling you're gonna you're gonna be lurking in the law and roleplay section hmm. for for the foreseeable future. There um, is already one. Um, um, there's already one um, uh, thread set up, just basically called the Elite Dangerous Role Playing Game, uh, and there have been a couple of commanders who've jumped on there and asked a few questions. So if anyone does have a question, and bear with us, you know we will we will answer as as much as we possibly can. The updates, the real what's going on next. We we've decided to keep that centralised around our own blog on our website called sure. the developers blog that's where that's where all the meaty stuff's going but if you're part of our um twitch stream we'll we'll tweet that out and um twitter stream sorry and we'll tweet that out and um or the facebook page will let you know when there's an update to read and hopefully we can get something out pretty much every day um right. throughout the next six weeks right and uh, and obviously then we have uh, after after christmas is over and we're all fat with turkey uh we can uh, we can start to look in on your kickstarter yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, very much so. Great. Okay. Well, uh, moving on after that exciting news, let's go into Community Corner. So um, in Community Corner, we've got um, the... Uh, who's found this po- comprehensive pilot's guide then? Who's uh, who's dug this out? It does look great. I'm, I'm really, that really... Was, uh, that was me. Ah, ah, you're to blame, sir. Uh, I think this is awesome. Um, I agree. So, yeah. What, uh, what, what did it's 84 pages we've got here? It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's basically the manual that you don't have. Uh, although, as we've all as we said just to the week, the in game tutorials are awesome now as well. But yeah. you know, if you want to, if you want a book that you can pick up and read whilst you're on the toilet or something like that, this is mm. awesome for it. Yeah, and and newly published too, published on the third, so um. Yep. Uh, freely available, and you can get it in an ebook file, so uh, which is great. You know, you can sit there and put it on your uh, on your Kindle or on your pad if you've got a Kindle download, I guess, um, depending on which format he's he's you know he's put the thing in. Um, what a what a great idea! I think uh, you know it, it is that kind of thing that kind of um, demonstrates the the sort of the community involvement in in the game, doesn't it? Really, I mean that's the you know one of the great strengths of uh, these things okay and then moving on um have we got any questions any other questions other than the the ones that we've covered i think i've pasted in all the questions that we have ah, I think good. they've all been covered okay how's how's things outside life have you have it's you guys mentally, been spending it's mentally busy outside life um okay. people have been shooting people i've seen some power play stuff being interdicted just because you know someone's in power play uh, we've got adders being thugs. We've got uh, corvettes, you know, hanging around like the big bosses they are. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of third lances here. Uh, John's here in his uh, uh, Cobra Mark IV with a lovely Lavecon skin. I'm here in my third lance that I've been playing with in my Lavecon skin. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's been busy today. It's been nice. Yeah. No. Um. Adder thug. I think yes. Adasog is is that's a good phrase. I think well done. That's that's the the phrase of, of uh, well, phrase what, what more do you with. expect from Goose really? Yeah, Adathugs. Adathugs. Yeah, like that. 
Um, okay, so then we're moving into the shout-outs. Um, now, we've already mentioned, actually, in the uh, the newsletter, because I think it was covered in the newsletter, um, the 24-hour uh, charity stream. Um, that is for special effects. So um, uh, that's, uh, uh, as we've said, it's got Ed doing stuff in uh, Elite Dangerous and Bo doing stuff in, uh, in Planet Coaster. Uh, any other shout-outs, gentlemen? Well, I'll quickly go over. There was one uh, bug report that um, uh, Zach Antonacci put up on the uh, on the forums, and there does seem to be a bug at the moment with uh, <clears throat> content with regards to the uh, Formidin Rift, Formidine Rift. Yeah. Um, ah, yeah. No, this was this was the bit that um, that Ben said. Oh, oh, we need we need Colin here for that. And you're yes. away. Thank yes. you, Colin. Well done. Let's let's do for Formula Heinrift. Yeah, so it, it seems that um, unfortunately, due to a bug in the game, the next piece of the puzzle is unavailable. So commanders that are approaching um, uh, coordinates which they've worked out through very tortuous process, and I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, I'm afraid to say that you can't access where those coordinates take you at the moment. Um, there is a bug in the game. There's nothing they can do about it. It will be fixed in the next client release, apparently. So um, don't, appro don't approach those planets that you all know about that I don't. So Great, okay. Uh, that's it. Okay. Uh, any other shout-outs? Do we want to do a shout-out for Foz's interview that he did with Drew the other week? Uh, where he's talking about Elite Premonition, Lords of Midnight, the Shadewood Saga, and I think he's got a reading in there as well. Okay, and uh, what about in-game commanders? Where, who have we got uh, loitering around? Okay, dokie, we have got Commander Shokinor, who is... Uh, which is John. John. We've got Yay. Azrian, Cookie Core, Eyes, Lenin83, Orange Avenger, Pain, Gooseful291, literally just headed out of here. I uh, think that's most of the folk who've been around and bumping into people and various other getting friendly with us, shall we say, outside okay. of Live Station tonight. Okay, and who have we got in IRC chat? In IRC chat, which has been very quiet, mostly due to slight problems with with the, the radio, uh, we've got Commander Penguin, Commander Here's Nuthi, Commander Payne, Commander R1 Pips. Daniel Hogworm, Duke Low, Cow Two, who's fixing the, the radio, <laughs> and Napolis, Snevis, and Lou. And who have we got in Twitch? Lots I'm not people. reading the sixty people who are in Twitch. <laughs> every time, every time I, I, I sort of then get to Twitch, it comes to uh, the fact that no. uh, you're you're not going to to do that. That's always funny. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, just as a final thing there, we've also got, you've, you've got a link up to the latest Gownet news. Um, I'm assuming that, uh, uh, that there are more preps for, for more Gownet news to come out um, uh, after the, <gasps> the excellent stuff. Grant might want to say something about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to see how do you do a capital dot? Oh, you just write it. 
<laughs> good. good evening, everyone. Um, sorry about the technical issues on the radio station. That was just, I don't know what it was. Some kind of glitch kept turning off. Of course, being in a car nowhere near the machine wasn't ideal. Uh, however, it looks like the entire show is perfectly intact and will be ideal for going on the podcast. So fret not, you can catch all of it there. Um, what I'm just going to talk, talk about is we have got Galnet ready to go, uh, which of course is a recording done by Commander Witherspoon and is amazing and he does it twice a week and we are lucky enough to be able to play out the latest edition tonight. And then after that we are going to set up on the radio station to stream the interview with Drew Wager. So stay tuned, you'll get some music and then it will kick back in after the show with that interview with Drew Wager and Fozza. That's all I wanted to say so that people know it's coming up next. Great. Okay. So that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. Um, if you would like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at info at You can get us at Facebook slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, or you can join the Discord chat channel by going to http colon slash slash tinyurl.com slash Lave Radio. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come hang out and chat, which is teamspeak.laveradio.com. Uh, we're recording live as usual on a Tuesday evening and streaming out on uh, http colon slash slash laveradio.com slash live, uh, except for when we're not streaming out on uh, on that particular <laughs> particular piece. Um, so just to conclude, can I say thank you very much to John and Oliver for coming on this evening? Well, thank you for having us. And uh, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll, we're sort of waving at Oliver as he's he's driving to the airport. Um, I'm sure that somewhere he will be waving back. Um, not 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 to the spaceport. We should we should hasten to add just to the airport. Um, and also thanks to Ben. You're very welcome. Thank you, you very much for having me. Awesome as always. Add a thug is going to be my highlight for this evening. And Colin, thank you so much for uh, everything on the full Motherhind Rift. There, that was great. Um, just as we went through and the stuff the stuff on the streaming today, you. Uh, you were ace in terms of recording most of uh, of what was said very fast. Um, I have to say, I, I tried to keep up, but um, you did a sterling job. Well done, sir. He gets Thank very you. enthusiastic. Yeah, well, he's, he's great. We, we, we like Colin. <laughs> um, and Grant, thank you so much for not being here. You're very welcome. <laughs> and also for being here, you know, because uh, let's 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 let everyone know that obviously Grant set the show up at the start, then had to do real life things. And then came back towards the end, which is kind of why we had a little bit of a streaming issue uh, midway through. But uh, as you've said, thankfully, the entire show appears to be intact uh, and appears to be fine. So um, thanks to everyone that's joined us outside Lave Station or near the Orange Sidewinder. Um, and hopefully you've enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, until next time. Yeah, you know how to fly. Just do it well and don't die. Don't crash. Um, if you're going to crash, crash dangerously. Good night. Is your life like this? It's having an orange inserted. Safe word. Space can be done. Oh, 
Galnet News Digest, 6th of December, 3302. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Ramsar given a good kicking. Decoding Tianisla. The race to cure mods. The race to kick aliens. Ramtar given a good kicking. Engineer and charlatan Ramtar, who encouraged pilots to bring him vast quantities of data from the ancient alien ruins in the Snayuf sector, has complained bitterly after his research facilities were given a good kicking. Authority sources at Felice Dock in the Mean System dismissed the vandalism as opportunist, but Tar believes that he was targeted by someone trying to sabotage his research. Following the attack, he's moved to a more secure facility at Phoenix Base, whence he issued a peevish and paranoid statement in which he accused unnamed agencies of trying to prevent his research to allow them to exploit the ruins themselves. Of course, only one person has huge amounts of data from the site, and only one person has failed to deliver any results from that data. Decoding Tionisla. The pointy-headed, lab-coated biscuit munchers at Canon Interstellar have decoded another part of the message from the celebrated antique Cobra Mark III, Cormeum et Animam, that was moved to the Tionisla orbital graveyard earlier this year. The Cobra is believed to have belonged to Rebecca Weston, an old-time explorer who is rumoured to have found the Formidine Rift, something borne out by the decoded message. It contains the name of a system, PRU-AESCS-HWS-B312, and coordinates on a planet. The system is known to have an unregistered beacon, and the planet has one of those mysterious crashed-desktop exclusion zones. Three letters at the beginning of the message do not yet have any known meaning. They're the letters A, G, H. What could they mean? The Race to Cure Mods The Hutton Truckers have announced that they've prepared large quantities of the antidote for mods. 
and are preparing to distribute it to the affected systems over the weekend. Loading is scheduled for Thursday evening and the couriers will set out to all the affected sites on Saturday. Because of the urgency of the outbreak, truckers will travel alone as fast as they can and rewards will be made to the fastest delivery drivers. For the mug. The race to kick aliens. An ongoing event to contact alien life at the crash site in the Pleiades sector ABW B24 has not yet had any noticeable effect. Nearly 30 participants have so far attempted to wake the alien using their SRVs, but the alien wreck remains inert. The fastest times so far recorded were by the Candy crew, who completed the 26km course in under 7 minutes. The slowest time is by one Commander Elias Thane, who completed the course in about an hour. And that's this week's Galnet News. We read the Galnet News so you don't have to.